hey everyone. Welcome to episode four of Mindset Marketing Money. I'm Ed Marshall, Chartered Financial Planner, and with me today, my very good friend and co-host, Jed Wiley, marketing guru, business coach of Digital Raw. Jed, how are you doing today? Uh, hi, Ed. Uh, thank you for that uh, lovely, warm introduction, guru. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I've kind of ascended to that status yet. I'm still working on it, but, uh, but thanks well, for Well, we, we have to work on the premise that we both know what we're talking about. So we'll definitely start from that foundation point, okay? Absolutely. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> so what are We've we gonna... got a lot to cover off today. I was just going to ask, yes, what are we covering off today? You beat me to it. Well, the situation, the global situation continues to change in terms of the coronavirus. But you know what? The rules of business always stay the same about how you got to communicate with your clients and about how you're going to create a successful business. You've got a business now. You want to know you've got a business that's not going to just be here in one year's, one year's time, but a business, going to, this business that's going to be here for as long as you want it. And we said before, this is about not just surviving this is about thriving. Thriving. It's about claiming your market share. So we want to be covering off. What is it that your clients, that your customers need more now than ever? And how are you going to communicate with them so that in this challenging environment, you're going to control all of the factors you can control and give them the experience that they want, right? Absolutely. So I guess that the, the question that it raises about what clients want is... Is what they value, you know, what is important to them. Um, and I think that one of the big factors at play in determining the value um, that's placed on your products and services is through communicating with your customers because that is your number one mechanism to actually identify what they find valuable in what you do. Because the more that you can identify that, then the more value you can bring to them and the more they're going to love you for it. So communication becomes critical, doesn't it, really? Yeah, because with, with your customers, with your clients, did you even know before we came into the pandemic about what it is that they truly value about what you do? Yeah. Or were you just simply showing up every day, doing what you'd always done, not really quite sure why it was that your customers came to you, but hey, they did. Yeah. The world has changed and there's been a communication void over the last few months. Yeah, very much so. As 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 people, of course, you know, naturally, you know, furloughed out of their businesses. Um, you know, there's there's less business that's been going on. You know, we've all been really in a state of economic stasis, but it's starting to shift now. And, and we're seeing the, you know, I, dare I use the phrase, the kind of green shoots of recovery that's so often associated with, with the kind of recession terminology that we hear. But, you know, maybe we are, we are starting to see that. And that means that more businesses are coming back. And they are, um, there are more customers that are, that are coming back as well. And naturally enough, then the, the question is, well, how are we going to communicate with these customers? How are we going to tell them about what we're doing and the value that we're bringing to them over and above our competitors. Because for sure, your competitors have, well, some of your competitors have been talking to your customers during this time. So I hope that you 
have been able to as well. And even if you think you've got a really good handle on who your clients actually are and what it is that they value, we have just been through a, a sort of a global economic and life-changing um, situation with COVID. And so don't assume for one moment that life will go back to how it was before. Because yeah, okay, you've got the physical limitations uh, being put in place by governments to continue to keep people safe whilst allowing the economies to recover. But your customers, your clients' perceptions and their demands and needs and wants are gonna have changed as well. Because crucially here, behavior has changed. Now, some will inevitably just go back to thinking, feeling and doing exactly what they did pre-pandemic. But others, they've changed for life. They've got a new way of doing things. They've maybe got a new way of thinking. Maybe they're actually valuing things that are now they're considered to be more important to them than they did before. So what are you going to do? How are you going to find out how your clients are thinking, how your customers are thinking, and figure out what it is that they want, Jed? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, you know, this, these circumstances have shaken a lot of people to the core. And I think that we, we, we discussed this in part in, in the last episode when we talked about you know, how many people were risk averse and how many people were risk tolerant. And uh, if you haven't heard that episode, go and, go and check out episode three. Um, that was a pretty good one, actually. We, <laughs> our, best, our best to date. Our best to date, apart from episode four, right? <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so, so it has shaken a lot of people. It's changed, it's changed buying behaviors. Um, and so it becomes, it now just becomes incumbent on us as business owners to be even clearer about the value that we're bringing. But, you know, one of the things that, that we need to do is actually understand what that value is. And it's an interesting question, isn't it? You know, when was the last time that you actually asked your customer what they value about, about your business? And there's, there's, a, there's, there's quite a, a, a strong connection, a synergy between value, as we're talking about it here, um, and benefits. So, you know, you can talk about the benefits of, the, of, of, your, of your business or the, uh, at, at a global level, or you can talk about the benefits of your products and services at a, at a more kind of micro level. Um, but, you know, this is about establishing, you know, the, what is important to your customer and asking them, you know, what, what is it about what we do that is important to you? And that's a, that's a, it's an interesting uh, question to ask because it immediately creates a state of prioritization in someone's mind because they start to think uh, about the thing that is preeminently important. What's the most important thing about what we do? Um, you know, I mean, it, it could be that, you know, you get back that it's, you know, that it's the best coffee, you know, in the, in the area. Or it could be that it, they, they like the sort of French kind of cafe ambience about it, or, you know, or, you know, or, you know, or it could be that uh, you know you sell you sell something which is um, which is uh, enjoyable to use, but there'll there'll be something which will be coming back from any kind of survey that you take of your customers, which will define the the, the preeminent most important thing that that your that your customers rate you for and will come back to you because of. And if you're in an environment where you can't just throw open your doors and expect business to be just as it was before all of this. You know maybe you've got to work on lower numbers, 
So perhaps you're going to need to get a higher average spend. Maybe you've got to look at controlling your costs because you've got to bring those overheads down because you can't see how you can get that same level of revenue in through the doors. Whatever the situation that you're in, if you know what it is that people want, that your customers want, and you can deliver it to them every single time, then you're going to keep them coming back. Not only that, but this is where the increasing of the market share comes from because you've taken the time to listen and deliver and others have just assumed. So this is how you can stand out. Yeah. But it's a big, it's a big process to go through in terms of, well, it can seem a big process, but actually the doing it can be quite simple. I think it's about figuring out how your method of communication to ask those questions, because don't assume that you know, find out how are you going to ask those questions and then how do you decide on what questions you're actually going to ask, you know, those big open questions that really get to the heart of the matter. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's tempting in, 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 the, in the digital age to just throw out something on SurveyMonkey and then chuck it into an email and, and see what sort of responses you get. And typically we find that unless you've got an incredibly engaged list, an incredibly engaged customer base, they're not necessarily going to respond to it. Um, other techniques, digital techniques, are to put things like surveys on um, on websites, you know, uh, either a single question survey or multi-question survey, or do it at the end of a purchase. You know, these are classical approaches, but if you've got a customer base that you have any kind of personal contact with, then it's best to adopt the personal approach. You know, I mean, the, you know, the, 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 the nicest thing to do, um, although it might not be the most economic, is to actually speak to people. But there are, you know, there's lots of companies that are in constant contact with their customers, you know, through the phone, through emails, and through your know, personal emails. That is. Um, so let's say that you're a business that's gone online or a business that was already heavily online pre-pandemic. So you've already got that mode of communication open because that was an important part of your business model. So you know how you can speak to people and how you can get those opinions back in because there's probably going to be a physical aspect to your business that you're wanting to reopen uh, as a result of being able to do so. You know, if you were totally online before, you're going to be totally online after. But if you've gone online as a result of the pandemic or increased your business online, but looking forward to getting back into the physical world, at least you've probably got those channels of communication. But if you're a restaurant on the high street and you're looking to throw open your doors and thinking, well, what is it that the diners are going to want? If you're a shop that hasn't gone online during the time and are throwing your doors open thinking, we need to start selling some product here. You can't just assume what it is that people are going to want. And maybe you haven't got uh, the online uh, list, the lists of, uh, of email addresses to be able to communicate, taking into account GDPR and everything else as well. Uh, in the UK, that's the data protection regulations. So you know, what about actually stopping people in the street, social distancing, of course, but asking the question because you don't need hundreds and hundreds of responses. But what you do need are responses from people that have either been your customers in the past or are your target audience and asking them just a few well-structured questions and to get that feedback. They could be telling you things you just simply have not thought of that could make a real big impact in how people are going to want to deal with you. Yeah, it's a good point. Well made. Absolutely. You know, um, I think that the, there, are, there are a few key questions that, that you can ask to elicit um, some very helpful answers. I mean, the, the first one, which we've already touched on, is you know what's important to you. Um, the second one could be around you know how has our service 
um, changed your business stroke personal life? Um, or if they haven't used you yet, you know, how do you think our service could change your business stroke personal life? Um, because then what you're asking them to do is to frame a future in their mind where they are using your service and the benefits that come from it. Um, so that's a very positive image to put in someone's mind when they're thinking about, about using you. Um, the third thing would be to ask, you know, what's the single biggest obstacle to using our service um, or product, whatever it might be. And that's a way of kind of eliciting the objection that people may have. It's like, well, yeah, I would come into your shop, but actually I'm not sure whether you've got social distancing sorted, uh, you know, and it's, you know, uh, you know, what if I pick up something and I have to pay for it, you know, you know, um, you know, yeah, so this could be based upon something. This could base, be based upon them having had an experience of your business um, years ago and just having been left with an impression in their mind that based on the current situation, they don't really feel like they want to set foot in there for whatever reason. So you've got to be simply starting from scratch to work on the basis that let's assume that people don't know anything about me. And let's work on the basis that I've got to give them level 10 confidence to want to engage with me. So it, like, imagine if, you, if you've been offering, if you were a restaurant and you've been operating as a takeaway all this time, you've been communicating with people to say, hey, you may be a new customer to us. Maybe you've come to us because your usual favorite restaurant hasn't been open. So as that takeaway, you've been communicating and people have seen what you've been doing in the meantime to get ready to throw your doors open. Meanwhile, the restaurant that you used to go to isn't ready or is just simply expecting to throw open their doors and you to walk in but you've already had a great experience elsewhere and they've been communicating with you along the way. They might even have been asking you these very same questions. Hey, whilst you're here to pick up your takeaway, can you tell us what more we need to be doing in order to make you feel great and safe and want to come here when you can dine in again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because so little communication actually takes place um, uh, after the sale. You know, because it's. I think. I think a lot of a lot of businesses sort of switch off to the idea that communication is necessary after that. It's kind of you've got somebody over the line. You know, you've 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 handled all the objections with them. You know, you've you know they're they're now a paying customer. Well, they're just going to be a paying customer forever now, aren't they? But actually, you know, you've got to be reinstating the value of your business with um, with your customer all the time. It's a continual process, um, uh, even more so after you've got the sale because it costs a lot of money to get a customer into your business, but it doesn't cost that the same amount of money again to have them buying again from you. So repeat purchases are very much at a, at a lower cost of acquisition. So, you know, if you communicate with your customer base on a regular basis, then you'll find that you will automatically elicit an increase in the frequency of purchase um, because just by the fact that you're, that you're making that communication. Um, and this yeah. is something which is, you know, so frequently overlooked. And w one of the other nice things about asking your customers questions like this about, you know, what's important and, you know, and, and what, what, you know, what difficulties they have, although it might feel that it's a bit of a challenge to start with because, you, don't, you know, we're British and we don't want to kind of bother people too much. Um, um, but, but actually it makes them feel great. You know, because when somebody says to you, I'd like your opinion on something, they immediately feel, you know, valued, you know, uh, because you have, you know, you've gone out of your way to say, I value your opinion. I want to hear what it is. 
you know, tell me. And people people love that, you know, that opportunity. People love to feel valued, absolutely. They like to feel valued as a customer. And one of the ways to do that is to ask their opinion. That's so crucial. One of the things we love to do in our business is we love to ask our clients, what can we do better? Not can we do anything better or tell us what you liked. It's what more can we do? And when you're asking a question like that, that's really a bit of a head scratcher because yeah. then they're thinking about the whole process and, and friction, you know, within the client experience. You want to try and take friction out of it at every available opportunity so that the glide path is exactly that. It's seamless. And you've got to chunk these things down. And customers will tell you where that friction is. They'll tell you happily what you can do better. So this comes back to what more can we do to make you feel great right now? What more can we do to enhance the experience to give you what you're looking for? And it's just like, it's just a total free-for-all. You can just ask that question and look forward. Like some people dread the responses. And I'm saying, why on earth would we do that? I don't want to ask the question because I don't want to get the answer. I might not like it. But every single answer is an opportunity to get better. Yeah, I love that expression, glide path. I think that's that's great. I've not I've not heard that before. A friction. We just want it to be smooth, path. don't we? Yeah. yeah. Get get rid of the friction, make it smooth, glide path. Absolutely. Yeah, this is so, yeah, similar sort of um similar concept in, in copywriting that they're called the greasy shoot, which is where you sort of take somebody seamlessly from top to bottom. Um <laughs> and you know, I know from from introduction all the way to close. So but yeah, I mean you're you're absolutely absolutely right in, in what you say. It's it's fascinating, but you know I I I think that the um, that the 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 value that that you bring once you've done this exercise might be seen to be different um, at uh, on its completion. So in in other words, you might not always know. Oh, sorry, I'll rephrase that. You you might um, believe that you know what the value is. Um, that you're bringing to the to the to the to the market, but actually, when you do this this exercise, you find that you get back something different, something unexpected. Um, yes. You know, a, a different benefit that you've been bringing that you haven't been aware of, or or that you know, going back to that question of you know what's important, you know, you find that actually the thing that's come back to you as being important is not the thing that you thought was important. You know, and that's that's very often the case because you know. As business owners, we think about things from, and this is naturally understandable, we think about them from our perspective. You know, we have a view on, on the value that our service brings. But then we go and communicate that value and we deliver that value to a whole group of people. So there's a one-to-many relationship. And what you, you, know, you find is that when you put people in, in, in groups that they don't behave in the same way as you might think so as an individual. And it's, it's recognizing that, that once you, once you aggregate everybody's responses, you might find a very different kind of set of values that are coming back to you from your customers um, and their priorities of those values than those which you, know, you thought you initially had. Yeah, and, and be excited by this because this is your opportunity to focus on the values and the benefits and to give them everything that they feel that they want to stay loyal. And yeah, embrace this new vision and opportunity that you can get off the back of it. I mean, 
thinking about price, for example, okay, you know, price is going to be everything at the moment in terms of trying to hit that sweet spot. There's never been more money in the economy, Jed. Okay? Yeah. The money that's been created as a result of coronavirus, it hasn't made its way through into businesses yet. It is sat in an awful lot of people's accounts. Yeah, that's very interesting, isn't it? It's People have saved, haven't they? <laughs> yep, people have saved an awful lot. Because whilst there are some that have been hugely financially impacted by coronavirus, and indeed there are some that think they've got jobs to go back to that actually won't have jobs to go back to because when push comes to shove, that business isn't going to be there any longer. There are going to be more people as a percentage of the population who are coming out of this with jobs intact and with way more money in the bank than they had on the way in. And so you want them to spend with you. And some of them, it's going to be burning a hole in their pocket and others are still going to be fearful. They're still going to be concerned about the future. Do I need to keep this money back? Do I need to boost my contingency fund? What if I lose my job? Those are your financial considerations. But then there are also the health considerations as well. It feels weird stepping out of my bubble, you know, being out in the, in, in, with, with, the, with the great British public again, walking into a shop, going to a restaurant, doing something that I used to do pre-lockdown. Hmm. So you've got to figure out where these obstacles are uh, and kind of put your own little strategy circle together, which is a great tool that I love to use from strategic coaches. Look at the obstacles that are in your way and list them every single obstacle that there could be between you and your customer. And then you've got to work out, well, what action can I take in order to be able to get over all of those obstacles? And when you start to chunk them down and look at these as individual obstacles, you realize they're not that big at all. It may seem like one big, huge obstacle. How the, am I going to get there? Yeah. But to actually then chunk down to those individual issues and to look at what you can do to overcome them, you're on a winner. Yeah, that's a in action. A really interesting idea, isn't it? You know, to just to just look at look at all of those obstacles, and it, you know, in sales parlance, I would refer to them as as, as objections. So you know, you've you've got a combination of of of, um, of customer objections to buying from you, but you may have obstacles as well that are you know entirely business related. You know, things like you know how do we maintain social distancing? What you know how do we increase safety and all of these other uh, good things that we now have to uh, consider as business owners that we never thought we'd have to before. Um, and is it astonishing how many businesses are already communicating with us as customers about telling us what they're doing in a bid to win our custom? So mm. you've got big businesses that pivoted pretty quickly and were very quick to tell you what they were doing in order to keep you as a customer. And now we're kind of getting onto the rest of the economy. So, you know, act now before it's too late take your slice of the pie and make sure that you're taking advantage of that. And whatever happens, don't think that this is a time to get involved in a price war because, you know, that, that race to the bottom is somewhere that you just simply cannot afford to be right now. Oh, yeah, This absolutely. is not about just trying to get turnover. Yeah. You've got to get smart turnover. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the whole, you know, the, the whole concept of, of, you know, of profits being the, the, the most important in the business not not turnover you know that's the most important metric um and one of the the problems with um price wars uh and you know the temptation to get involved with them is that really that's that's between businesses that have run out of ideas to get a customer 
they haven't got anything else that they can they can throw at the customer to say here's a reason why you should come and use use me right so they so they just say well we're cheaper and you know that's just the the the, the tactic of the desperate really and people that themselves don't understand their own businesses they don't understand the value and this is going back to the point of you know if it, if if it's not apparent to you if you're not sure about what your value is that you bring to the marketplace then this is going back to this idea of ask you know, ask them, you know, identify it so that it can be clear. Because then when you get this information back from your customer, you're then able to go and tell other potential prospects about the value that you bring. And you don't have to start fighting on price. Because you can say, here's benefit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, and we are also competitively and reasonably priced. But by the time you've got to benefit five, they're already happy. They've, you've already sold it because your competitors might not have even got to benefit one or two. And remember, all of these benefits, they're reasons to buy from you, reasons yeah. for somebody to be convinced yeah. enough to hand over their hard-earned cash in exchange for the value that you're going to bring. Competitively and reasonably priced. And I'm going to throw another word into here as well, okay, another consistently priced. Hmm. What astonishes me absolutely blows my mind is how businesses, big businesses, believe that they can top up or indeed generate a majority of their turnover through the use of short-term price incentives, price drops, voucher codes, whatever. Because if I can suddenly buy from a store or eat out somewhere or buy a service and it's one price one weekend, and then the next weekend I see that there's suddenly... 40% off everything. Maybe I've just got to have a code in order to qualify for it or a coupon that I've, I've cut out from the paper or whatever. I'm like, well, hang on a minute. Why is this now cheaper for this weekend and it was more expensive last weekend? Well, actually, I do want some more stuff, so maybe I'm going to go there. But then what happens a month later when I want to go back? I'm still thinking, well, hang on a minute. It's back up to full price. It was 40% off before or buy one, get one free. I think I'm just going to hang on until they do another offer. And that's what everybody else is thinking. So your turnover falls. So what are you going to do to boost your turnover? You're going to go back for the offer again, and you're going to bring people in. And so there's no consistency, and people are just beating you at your own game. You know, I want to go and eat. I want to go and buy. I want to go and enjoy that experience or that service because it's consistent, because it is competitive, because it is reasonably priced doesn't mean you've got to be the cheapest. You just want me to keep coming back. Yeah, the, 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 the thing I think that often gets forgotten here is, is that price is a reflection of value. And as you say, you know, if you have got a price which is, which is um, you know, moving all over the place during the course of, you know, of, of, of your, you engaging with that business, uh, as so often it happens with, um, you know, with, with restaurants and holiday companies and, and you know and online buying, then it, it it just sets the business up to fail as you've you know as you've you've rightly outlined. Because what you're really communicating to the customer is there is no fixed value to this. You know, you can't attribute the value to it because the value keeps changing. You know, if it's forty pounds one month and then it's eighty pounds the next month, how can how can you understand how that has possibly happened. You know, it's still the same thing that you're buying. So the consumer then just thinks, 
oh, well, I'm just getting stitched up at 80 quid, so that's not even a number I'm going to contemplate. I'm only ever going to think about the 40 quid because once you hit that bottom line, it gets embedded in people's minds, and that's the only number that they can think is associated with your product and, therefore, its value. And let's think about you delivering a service. So you're pitching for that business, all right? And you're like, I really need, I really need this business. I need this client. I need the turnover. You've got to negotiate as if your life depended on it. And I say that because there is a fantastic book called Never Split the Difference. Negotiate as if your life depended on it. It's by Christopher Voss and Tal Raz. And it is exactly about that. Yeah. You know, you can 100% get the result you want, but you've got to know why you are worth every single penny. Yeah, exactly. And not just, and not just then using price as just as a mechanism in desperation to get somebody over the finishing line. You know, price, mm -hmm. as, 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 as we've just discussed, it's, it's a function of value, but it's a function of perceived value. So it's what your customer thinks you're worth. So the more that you can add to that, the more you can stack um, value on top of value and, and convince people through, you know, th by describing the benefits, by describing the, the, uh, the, the great stuff that you're, that you're about to do for them, by presenting them with a better picture of, of uh, sorry, a, a better view of their world after they've used your service. The more you can do that, then the higher your prices can be. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, and I've, I've noticed that one of the one of the worst offenders for this are, are some travel companies who do this in a very um, in a very underhand way, um, because you'll go to the site and you'll see a price, and then because they've dropped a cookie on your on your computer, that price will remain the same. And if you mm -hmm. if you clear your cookies, you'll find that that price may have gone down uh, in, in the next week but they hold it there on your computer. Um, and, you know, those kinds of sort of, you know, black hat techniques are really frustrating for a consumer because, again, you know, you, know, you've, you so often find yourself sitting next to somebody on the aeroplane who's paid, you know, 20% less or 50% more, and you think you're both going to the same place and the same hotel and having the same damn holiday. How on earth could that possibly be the case? Yeah, yeah. It's always it's always a bugbear of mine. And you've got to think, well, what industry are you operating in and, and, and how are you going to ethically price so that people get that consistency? It all comes back to consistency again. And, hey, I totally get it. There are certain industries where that kind of pricing model, unfortunately, is just, like, totally prevalent. And, I mean, there are other industries where you think, well, actually, I'm going to start off with a cheaper price i'm going to reward the person that gets in early and if you're going to come in late you're naturally going to pay more there are other industries that are then just trying to sell it cheap as chips right towards the end and you're rewarded for coming in late which is kind of the way that you know that really doesn't make any sense uh, i think that rewarding people to come in early and as the demand rises and the spaces fill you put the prices up i can kind of understand that the whole kind of sell it cheap last minute is rewarding people for procrastinating and it again devalues uh, your brand yeah i i, I abs absolutely agree with that ed um but you know i do think i do think that that, that in amongst all of this talking about price that that actual buying habits and buying patterns themselves are in the process of changing um i'll give you an example um uh, one of our one of our customers, a great um, caravan park down in Devon. Um, they 
um, have just just got the go-ahead to be able to open. Um, so they, they open their doors, and obviously um, they've had a massive influx of people who are uh, desperate for a holiday. Um, and, and, you know, there's been a huge take-up. But the, but the interesting thing about it is, is that they've had more two-week bookings than ever before. So mm -hmm. people are actually spending more with them for longer and not quibbling about the price. They're not, you know, they're not negotiating over the price. They're just happy to spend the money that, they, that, you know, that they've got going there, no argument, and spending two weeks there rather than their standard, which would be anything between sort of five and seven days. Um, and that's probably a function, but it's an unexpected one of, of lockdown in that, you know, we were locked down through Easter and uh, through Whit Week. And, and actually, you know, those are places, those are times really when people are going away, aren't they, on holidays. And, and so because they've not been able to go away, they've now aggregated the whole thing and, um, and decided that, they, that they're going to do it all in, all, all in one go. Um, so, you know, you see these sorts of buying patterns changing. And it could be that very much in your business that you're going to see buying patterns change as well in unexpected ways. Um, but uh, it's, it's a very interesting subject. But I mean, to, you know, to, to round off there, communication with your customer is absolutely paramount. It's key. And to ask them these questions about, you know, what, are, what do they now value in the new world? And what's important um, to, to them in relation to what, what you provide. And the, the quality of the information that you will get back from that kind of questioning will be absolutely uh, fantastic and worth every uh, moment of your time invested in it. And it will also this stop you from having to worry about um, getting caught with price wars because you will have clear ideas of the value of your business and what you're bringing to people. This is the opportunity. This is like pressing the reset button and having the opportunity to do it all over again. Yeah, so exactly. don't just go back to what you know. Don't just do it the way that you've always done. Take this as an opportunity to come out of this with a leaner, more efficient, better service-driven mindset. And you have got every opportunity to thrive. Now, you just said there, Jed, about buying patterns changing which means that the way that people are doing business is changing, which means that business models are changing as well. So I'm feeling the next episode being lined up right here. Absolutely. I think we've, I think we've segued into that quite unexpectedly, but very nicely. I'm not going to take any credit for that. That was completely by accident. Um, but yeah, how good are we, eh? <laughs> Well, hey, look, it's a topic close to both of our hearts. Absolutely. So building a business to withstand the good times and the bad. That's got to be where we go from here. Yeah, let's talk about that uh, in a couple of weeks, Ed. Excellent. So on the next episode of Mindset, Marketing and Money. Okay. See you soon. Take care, folks. Bye now. Bye-bye.